Fun insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show. My name is Father Matthew Spencer. Sitting in for Patrick, I'm I'm the provincial of a small religious community called the Oblates of Saint Joseph. I uh, I love to share the gospel. I'm so happy to be a priest and to be a religious brother in Oblate, uh, and uh, just grateful to sit in Patrick's seat here and join you for some conversation this morning. You're most welcome to join us here at Relevant Radio through our Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, 888-914-9149 is our number here. Uh, we'll go right back to the phones. Uh, Hustia is calling from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hello, welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Hello, Hustia, did I did I pronounce your name correctly? Hello there. Oh, uh, <laughs> hello. We'll, we'll we'll wait for Hustia and see if we can get him back on the line. Uh, in the meantime, we'll go to Texas. I'm sorry, to Jose, who's calling from Texas. Hello, Jose. Welcome to the Patch Madrid Show. Hello, Father. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so I just wanted some kind of advice. Uh, the last topic you talked about in the last hour is such base me. Uh, I'm going through difficult times with my marriage. Uh, my wife and I had some problems three years ago, and it's been a hard journey to healing. And uh, like a month ago, I learned that she was having an emotional affair with another guy. And mm-hmm. uh, like two, three weeks ago, it became physical. And uh, we have three kids. I uh, kept calm all during this time. Mm. And I just talked to her about it. It wasn't right what she was doing. I, didn't, I gave her the advice to walk away from the from the person she had been talking to. <clears throat> and all she did was just argue about it. And so I just didn't want to get like into big problems with that. And this one time, me and her were arguing, and she called the guy, and the guy called the police, and the police went, and they advised me to get out of the house for a, for a night. And when I was coming back the next day, my wife didn't let me in. And it's been like three weeks already. I haven't been able to see my kids that often. From time to time, she'll tell me that she'll let me see him, and and again, yeah. she said no. And I just want to know what can I do, like the kind of. Sure, sure. Let me let me give you some thoughts, Jose. And I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on hold here just so you can listen. The the audio at your end is um a little difficult to uh to hear. In fact, so I'm gonna just kind of summarize what you said for our for our listeners that you've in your marriage um, you've been having some struggles. Your wife has been communicating with another man, began an affair, and um, and then eventually it turned into a, a conflict of sorts. You were asked to leave the house and now now not able to see the children. And I'm, first of all, very sorry, Jose, for, for this situation, because uh, as I was just saying, you know, before, before the break, um, your kids need you in their lives. You know, they need you as their father. Uh, your wife, by the way, also needs you. And it's um, tragic when she's not recognizing that and turning to 
somebody else for, um, well, who knows, for happiness, for fulfillment, for whatever it is she's looking for. Um, how do you respond? Well, Jose, first of all, I'd say it's very important to um, look at your own life and evaluate and take responsibility for for maybe how things have come to this point. Now, it's not always going to be um, be uh, uh, your your fault, um, but oftentimes we miss opportunities we could have taken to improve things where our communication isn't maybe as good as it should be. And I think just being honest with yourself about what what areas did I fail in and what areas should I really have worked harder in uh, will give you some some understanding and humility about your approach in the marriage. Um, and it's not to beat yourself up. It's not to figure out who is more responsible here. Uh, that's not the point. The point is just to take stock of the situation and to to be honest with yourself and before God about these things. And then the next step, I think, is to to start fighting for your marriage and fighting for, you know, your family and not, of course, in a physical way, but to start um, realizing that this is your responsibility, right? This is what God is calling you to do. And what does that mean? It means we have to take tough steps. We have to be open to counseling. We have to be open to challenging our spouses who maybe have gone astray. We have to be open to even sometimes fighting in the courts to say, no, this is not right. These are my children. Um, if the courts um, are making a separate determination for other reasons, then, uh, you know, we have to fix those reasons that the courts are deciding on. If there's violence in the house, that's not going to work, right? If there are uh, problems in our, our own behavior that have precipitated this, then we have to change those things. But um, my, my encouragement to you, Jose, is to take this one step at a time to begin praying about it, as I said, to begin being honest and going to confession about those things that you need to change. Uh, but certainly also to not just roll over and say, well, there's nothing I can do here. Um, I think um, there's a responsibility that we all have to fight for our vocations, right? <laughs> to stand up and to say, no, my vocation is to be a priest or to be a father or to be a wife. My vocation is to be a mother um, or to be a husband, whatever, whatever these, you know, our particular state in life is. And we have to be responsible for that and react or, uh, and, and, uh, and respond in a way that is faithful to what God is calling, uh, is asking of us. So those are just some thoughts we'll say. In the meantime, we will certainly pray for you. What a tragic situation. I'm sorry to hear about it. Um, you know, I, I know that God can can help us heal these broken relationships, and we'll pray also for your your wife that she um, that she turns back in faithfulness to her marriage commitment and recognizes the the call that we all have to be faithful to our vocation. So, God bless you. Okay, um, okay. Let's try uh, Hustia again, who's calling from Albuquerque. Hello, Hustia, are you there? I I'm here, and it's just. In English. Just, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the correction. Yeah, thank you. Okay. No, you were saying it in Spanish. It was very well done. <laughs> Thanks. What's <laughs> on your mind, Justia? Is, my question is that, okay, I live in uh, senior living. I do not have a vehicle. I gave my car up in November. Mm -hmm. I was lucky that my daughter came on Ash Wednesday. We did some shopping, and she took me to church so I could get my asses. 
but there were several Catholics here who are, do not have that advantage of being able to get out and get access. Mm-hmm. Would it be permissible for me as a Catholic using uh, the ashes from the uh, blessed palm to make the sign of the cross on their forehead and say the words, until does you will uh, remember you are dust until does you retain or uh, repent and follow the gospel with the clear understanding that this is just a performance of that service that I'm not doing anything else. Hmm. I think they would understand that, but because most of us, most all of us, are seniors, at least sixty-two. That's the mm-hmm. age that you can enter this facility. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I did have one Catholic see my ashes and ask me, well, I told them I'd call Papa Madrid and find out if it was possible, and I kept putting it off. Now he's gone for the day and <laughs> Now he's gone. You'll have to settle for me, Justy. I'm sorry. No, you are the uh, perfect person to answer this question for me. Yeah, let me let me share with you some thoughts. So first of all, um, I'm so glad to know you're listening, Justy. I'm so glad to know that you're, uh, though you're, you know, in um, this senior living home and probably limited somewhat in the people you can see and the activities you can do outside of your home. I'm so glad that we can be connected here through Relevant Radio because it helps us to feel united as this communion of saints is such an important dogma of our church. Um so the, the distribution of ashes is a beautiful symbol, a reminder that we are dust and to dust we shall return. It's a reminder that we are called to repentance and that the time of Lent is a season in which we are, we are really called to reform our lives. And it's also a public witness, right? When we, when we receive ashes on our foreheads, um, as Patrick was describing, you know, uh, last week, we, um, There's not an obligation to leave them on our foreheads for a certain prescribed amount of time, but there is a value in in leaving them on our foreheads so that people can see them, right? So the ashes we receive in some way also become a a public expression of our devotion and our faith. Uh, But they are symbolic, and there is nothing that would prevent you from putting ashes on the forehead of another person. Now, I... I, I think the window for that 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 particular expression has probably passed this year, Justy. I mean, there's nothing that says you can't do it on a day other than Ash Wednesday. Um, and if it's meaningful for the person uh, that you're living with, if they say, oh, I wish I could have done that on Ash Wednesday and I missed it and I would rather not wait for another year, uh, of course you can you can make the sign of the cross with ashes on their forehead. And especially if that gives them some consolation and might help them to to feel that now they can embark upon this Lenten journey, then you are most welcome to do so. I would refrain from doing anything else that might kind of give the impression that you're you're doing another type of ritual. For example, you wouldn't um, put your hands on their head and some sort of blessing, right? You just use your your finger and you'd you'd make the sign of the cross on their forehead. You wouldn't um, say 
make the sign of the cross with your hand as a priest does, you know, uh, over over the person as if it was a blessing. So if you if you refrain from doing those things, then you'll you'll make sure that you're not crossing the boundaries of what's appropriate. Um, and I think if you can bring some consolation and help to the people you're living with, uh, especially for this Lenten season, then I think it's a great a great service to them. Oh, thank you, Father. Um, okay. That was my, yeah, those were my thoughts, but I thought I'd better get a official uh, <laughs> Well, <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess you could say it's official from Father Matthew. I, I don't know what standing I have in the church to determine. For example, they might, some canon lawyer might call me and tell me I made a grave mistake in allowing you to do that, but I don't, I don't think so, so... Hey, okay, thank you. Thank, thank you, Justia. God bless you. All the best to you. Uh, I'm so happy to hear that. And to me, friends, it reminds me, if you'll allow me for a moment here, uh, it reminds me of an, a very important part of Lent, which is that we are in this together. Uh, it's It's not uncommon for us to fall into this feeling that, well, I'm going to do my penance. I'm going to do my thing, I'm going to worry about myself, and I'm going to try and get to Easter with some some success from my work here during this season. And the danger with that is it disconnects us from the corporate value of Lent, that is, being united as one body in Christ. I mean, you know, right, that when we give alms, we're doing that not only to feel ourselves the pain of not having as much money as we'd like. Um, I mean, there's no point in giving alms if we don't feel that that um, if we don't feel something to that effect, right? I mean, if I'm giving alms and it has no impact whatsoever on my bottom line, well, that's not very helpful for me spiritually. Uh, on the other hand, when we give alms, we are helping the other person, and we are helping, say, the poor or those to whom we give alms. Uh, and that's a very important part of why we give alms in the first place, right? Is we're, we're recognizing that I need to not only be generous and be detached from what I have, but I'm going to share what I have with those who are most in need. And I think this is kind of what's on the mind of Justy as he's looking around uh, at the people with whom he lives. He's saying, you know, we're we're in this together. And I was blessed. I had a chance to go to church on Ash Wednesday and to receive the ashes. And it sounds like maybe he even had some ashes brought home with him, which is uh, certainly possible as well. Uh, and he's thinking now about the people around him. And that's such a great, great thing to do during Lent when we're when we're really aware that it's not only between me and God, but it's also, am I uh, part of the body of Christ? Am I leading those around me to a relationship with the Lord? Am I giving of my time, of my resources, and am I striving to, to make sure that I'm thinking of others as well? I mean, this is why you'll see different, different works and, and activities during Lent that will also help those around you. So, People will be fundraising for the local soup kitchen and people will be having fish fries and that money will go to help the poor and the vulnerable. You'll see that many of the spiritual activities we undertake during this season also go on to help serve those around us and what a good good blessing that can be to others, okay? 
888-914-9149 is the number to call. I'm Father Matthew Spencer sitting in for Patrick Madrid. I'll be right back. Big time gratitude to Charity Mobile for sponsoring the Patrick Madrid Show. They're a pro-life cell phone company with nationwide coverage and no contracts. You can choose from the latest phones or bring your own. New customers can mention Patrick for a free phone or another offer. Info at CharityMobile.com. This is the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and RelevantRadio.com. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show. It's Father Matthew Spencer sitting in for the great Patrick Madrid, and I'm so pleased to be with you. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. You're welcome to join us. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Kathy is calling from Maryland. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Hello, Father. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a question about um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 41, where he's teaching about reparation, and it says, not to do an eye for an eye, offer no resistance to one who is evil, someone who strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one to him as well, and give to the one who asks, do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. And I'm wondering how that relates to life compared to like in the Psalms, it kind of discourages lending and, you know, what if a husband strikes his wife and how to relate this to life and what Jesus wants us to do in these situations. Yeah, this is, I, I love this, this um, question or point of reflection, Kathy, because when you read the Old Testament, we, we see all throughout the Old Testament, we see this um, injunction from the Lord to be just, right? So we will, uh, we will see that, um, in fact, you know, that justice needs to be meted out in a proportionate way. And by the way, this is something that is uh, a restraint upon people's behavior. So when the Old Testament said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, the idea was that, well, if an eye is taken out, don't go out and murder that person in return. You know, that would be an extreme and and uh, disproportionate justice applied to the situation. So in the Old Testament, when there is justice being being taught and and commanded by God, then in fact, it is a type, a, a prefigurement of the mercy that Jesus would reveal to us in its fullness, in the sense that it is not going to be disproportionate. But then as you point out in Matthew Matthew 5, verses 38 and forward, Jesus is, is calling us to a new type of understanding of this injunction. And when he says, um, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. And he's giving this new perspective that, in fact, instead of, of focusing on justice, we can focus on mercy. Um, 
we can focus on a radical witness uh, in response to evil that is inflicted against us. And this has always been, by the way, Kathy, a very hard thing for us to put into practice because it doesn't mean, I mean, Matthew 5 doesn't mean that we should just um, let other people mistreat us without any without any uh, response that tries to find justice or to repair some injury. And that's especially true, say, for uh, a father who's protecting his family, right? He is not obliged to let other people hurt the members of his family. Uh, No, in fact, I would say quite the opposite. He has a responsibility to protect the members of his family. But when it comes to injury to his own person, he is called to this radical... um, witness to uh, of mercy of enduring persecution and suffering without a a uh inflicting evil in return on on another person um so i think that's how you kind of how we meditate on that kathy and ponder how this teaching of jesus can be understood in light of the psalms and and the whole old testament is to realize that jesus does bring the Old Testament to a new fulfillment and to a new awareness and understanding for us. And it's very hard. It's very hard to put into practice what Jesus is asking of us. But I think we shouldn't, we shouldn't just water it down and say, well, who could do this? I guess we're not going to ever be able to achieve this. No, I think we've seen examples of people who have done this throughout, throughout the ages. I mean, St. Francis of Assisi is, is one that comes to my mind who who endured great persecution and great, um, you know, evils from others, uh, but responded with, um, with, with love. And it's not that he was a pacifist in the modern sense of the word. It's that he understood that the, his neighbor was going to be converted when they saw a radical witness to Christ's love in their life. So that, does that make sense? Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your answer. Thanks. I appreciate it, Kathy. God bless you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks. And a very nice Lent to you, Kathy, and to all of our listeners. Uh, we'll go to Annette, who's calling from northern Wisconsin. Hello, Annette. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Good morning. I would like to make a comment on almsgiving. Sure. Um, I'm a recent widow, um, a very limited income, and I've learned through my Catholicism from grade school. It's not how much you give, it's what you do. And so I found myself, if I go to the grocery store and they have a sale on something, I buy two. Donate one, keep one. And I always remember the children. People donate, you know, uh, macaroni and cheese and soups. But I always think of the children. What little child wouldn't like a sweet treat, a little bag of candy? I always buy a bag of candy for the children. Put it in the box. What child doesn't want a little candy bar? I found that to be very helpful for me because my children loved candy. <laughs> so it's not how much, but what the thought behind it. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, Annette. I mean, of course, there's that witness that Jesus gives in the 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 story in Scripture, commonly referred to as the widow's mite. Right, this woman who. Um, or I should say these Pharisees who are coming and making a big show of their generosity in the temple area, and they're giving large sums of money, but they're doing it in order to be recognized and seen. 
And then comes this, uh, this widow who very humbly uh, has only two small coins and she puts everything she has to help the poor, which is rather, uh, you know, uh, interesting because she herself is rather poor. Uh, but as, you, as you're pointing out, Annette, uh, and very rightly, I believe, it's not, it's not how much we give, it's, it's, uh, it's the, the intent that we have behind it and the generosity of that gift that really defines whether it's, um, uh, you know, the value of it. So, and, and I also, I really like that, that example, Annette, that we can't always give uh, sums of money if we're in a financially difficult position. Um, but we can be creative about how we're, we're using that money and sharing some of those goods with others. So your local soup kitchen is not maybe going to have the, the resources to be able to go and shop every deal that's out there. So they, they, won't, they will miss the, the, um, that sale on the sour candy in aisle five, right? <laughs> they won't see that, Annette, yeah. but you are, and you're seeing that and you're able to not only give some of, uh, you know, that treat, but you're giving of your time by, by using your time to actually acquire that and pass it on. So thank you. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful example of, of an alternative almsgiving uh, besides just giving money. We can give of our time and give of, of our uh, possessions. Also, may I ask for prayers? Um, my husband recently passed away, um, and uh, I would like to ask for prayers for the repose of his soul. He is a non-Catholic, and but I do believe when we see Jesus at the end of our life, I keep praying that he'll accept God and not walk away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I believe it. Um, and uh, what what is your husband's name, Annette? John. John. Okay, we'll be happy to pray for John. All of us Thank here at Relevant so Radio, much. as well as the the many many listeners who are tuning in right now. So God bless you, Annette. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Take care. We'll go to uh, Sharon, who's calling from Steubenville, Ohio. Hello, Sharon. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Thank you, Father. Good morning. Thank you for Hi. taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm calling because a, a friend from South Florida um, called me yesterday, and she asked me about the color of the sanctuary lamp um, in her parish. Um, she was wondering, because they sometimes have a green sanctuary lamp, and now it's gray, and she said they're using a variety of colors. And, um, and she was just wondering... Is there any rule that covers the color of sanctuary lamps? Because the only ones I've ever seen were red. And Mm. so we were just curious about that. And I was wondering if you might know. Yeah, actually, the color of the sanctuary lamp has to match the color of the pastor's car that he drives. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just totally kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, the uh, (laughs) there's uh, (laughs) thanks yeah just teasing of course uh to my knowledge there's no uh legal indication of what the color of the sanctuary lamp should be i've seen a lot of different um colors and styles sharon the the first one actually that i've seen um is one that is just a, a simple flame right of an oil lamp that doesn't have any color around it so it's just the flame itself uh, of course, that's not always practical. If if a if a church has 
maybe some gusts of of wind that come through or air conditioning that will turn on, then that flame could be, you know, extinguished. So we will often have the candle or the oil lamp, uh, the flame of the candle or oil lamp protected with some glass. Um, It could be clear. It could be red. I've seen green. I've seen blue. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly the history of red, but I would tell you, Sharon, that I think red is the most common color I've seen, at least in my my little travels yes. as a Catholic priest, right? <laughs> that's what we've noticed, too. And so that's yeah. why we were, we were curious. And so I thought, oh, I'll call Father Matthew because I bet you he'll know. <laughs> you know what? I, I've always thought, now this is just personal piety, okay, Sharon? So don't don't take this to the bank and try and cash it. But I've always, when I see a red sanctuary lamp, it it makes me think of the sacred heart of Jesus, and I like yeah. that idea because, you know, the Eucharist is the, the body, blood, soul, and the divinity of Jesus. And, of course, his sacred heart um, is such a beautiful presentation or, or devotion of us and reminder of, of, of his love for us. So I, when I see a red sanctuary lamp, I'm reminded now, and, and that's mostly through my own habit and personal piety, I'm uh, reminded of the sacred heart of Jesus. And maybe there is a connection there that that um, that is more than just Father Matthew's personal piety, but I, I couldn't say for sure. Yes, I, I, um, I guess had the same same feeling um, with the red sanctuary lamp. It reminds me of the blood of Christ and mm. what he did for us on the cross. And yeah. um, and so that's and uh Normally, uh, that's what I've seen is the red, and and that's what it reminds me of. So, um, thank you very much, okay. Father. I appreciate it's my pleasure, you. Sharon. God bless you. Have a nice Let's Lent. Have. Okay. <laughs> thank Thanks. You. God bless okay. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, let's go to Michelle, who's calling from New Jersey. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the Pat- Patrick Madrid Show. Yeah. Hi, Father. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um. Okay, so I'm going on a cruise the end of April, beginning of May. One of our ports of call is Lisbon. Um, mm. There's a tour being offered going to Fatima. Um, but the last time I stopped at a port, it was in Spain and had the opportunity to go to the Santiago de Campesina. Um, it was so rushed. It was just, it was just awful, Father. It was like I, I didn't even have time to put my hand in the holy water and bless myself, much less even say a prayer, because the tour guide was in such a rush, and we didn't dare lose her, or we <laughs> forget how to get back to the bus. So mm-hmm. I'm just concerned if I take this tour or if I hire a private tour, that I'll just like feel not that I'll necessarily feel rushed, but I'll be constantly looking at my watch to see what time it is rather than concentrating on where I am. <laughs> if you yeah. understand what I mean. I do. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just wondering if maybe I should just skip it and just do something else. So what would you do instead? Well, just tour the countryside. Probably see, see the, yeah, see the city or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, we've been to Lisbon, so we've seen Lisbon. We just go out into the countryside. And there are actually other shrines closer, I believe, mm. that I might like to visit. So, Have you ever been to Fatima? I have never been, and I probably won't. 
if I mm. miss this chance, it's probably my last chance. So I'm, I'm very torn. One day I'll say to my husband, well, let's go. And the next day I'll say, let's not go. And he's, I've, I'm. Sure. So here's what I would say. Here's what I would say, Michelle. Um, um, my brother, who is also a priest, uh, he is also an oblate of St. Joseph. Um, his name is Father Stephen Spencer. He went to oblate youth day, I'm sorry, world youth day um, last year. Uh, he went and took a bunch of youth to Lisbon and saw the Holy Father, of course. And they went to Fatima and he was very moved along with many of the youth. He was very moved. Now, he did have, it was planned as part of their pilgrimage, so they have more time than just a, a tour bus driving through. But my, my take, Michelle, is um, it's good to be aware that it might be a quick trip. It might be uh, not an ideal stop where you can actually go and light a candle and spend some time in prayer and recite the rosary around the grounds. That might not be possible just because of the time frame, but... If you prepare yourself for that and you say, well, I, I'm going to go and I know that maybe it will feel rushed and maybe we won't be able to even get off the bus and maybe the tour guide is not going to be Catholic. Maybe the tour is not going to understand, is going to see it more as a historical curiosity rather than a, a great profound place of spiritual grace. But if you know, if you go knowing that, then um, you can still benefit from it. And personally, I think it would be far more um, edifying than uh, than seeing the countryside. Uh, then again, if there are other shrines that are nearby that would allow you to spend more time there, then I could see that as also a a, um, a win for you. So I guess what I'm saying, Michelle, is um, I think it's wise to consider, well, to consider the use of your time. You're not going to have a lot of free time, I'm sure, when you stop there. On the other hand, as you said, you know, when is the next time you'll ever get to Fatima? <laughs> Who knows, you know, and maybe it's a good time, even if it's only a short, a short visit. Um, if you use it well and are prepared for it and realize that while it might be brief, uh, God's grace can still happen, uh, you know, and be poured out in abundance in those those moments. So I, if I were in your case, in other words, Michelle, I would go and I would just prepare myself that it's it's not going to be ideal, but it, it will be the best place I could go uh, from Lisbon. That's how I would see it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate My pleasure. your input, Father. Yeah. Thank you so much. God bless, okay. Michelle. Thank it's you. good to have you on the Bye-bye. program. Bye-bye. Thank you. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. You're listening to The Patrick Madrid Show. I'm Father Matthew Spencer. Be back right after this. Thanks to network sponsor PushPay. PushPay offers parishes a platform for tracking donations and sacraments, overseeing schedules, mobile apps to help manage your administrative load, and much more. Info at relevantradio.com slash pushpay. That's relevantradio.com slash pushpay. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the program. I'm Father Matthew Spencer sitting in for Patrick. And boy, just blessed to be with you today as we continue this Lenten journey towards Easter. I hope you're doing well. I hope you are 
enjoying this time of spiritual renewal, transformation in your life. If you have a question about it or about anything else for that matter, give me a buzz here at the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, 888-914-9149 is the number to call. We'll go back to the phones. Norma's calling from Texas. Hello, Norma. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. So I had two questions. Um, one in reference to John the Baptist, um, who baptized him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit with water, and how did he know to do that? And the second question is about the uh, council event in uh, July. Um, which would be the best days for someone with uh, um, who? Which would be the best days to to go and attend and if we've got limited resources, and uh, um, what's the other one? <laughs> Those are two. Um, I think you got them both. I think you got the... <laughs> no, but that was a double a double question. So which would be the best date, and what exactly goes on, since I've never been to one? <laughs> oh, okay. Very good. So uh, okay. first of all, John the Baptist. So who baptized John the Baptist? Well, Scripture doesn't tell us. But he wouldn't have originally been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's because Jesus hadn't yet revealed the, the, Holy, the Holy Trinity. Spirit. So, yeah, yeah. John's, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance and a baptism of water. But, um, but um, it's possible that one of his, one of his own disciples would, would have baptized him with repentance. Of course, his authority to baptize comes from God himself, right? I mean, John was justified in the womb, we believe. So it's not that he needed the baptism of repentance that he was giving to to others, uh, but perhaps gave that as a witness himself. We don't we don't know for sure. Um, but of course his authority to baptize was was from his own vocation, from the call that he received from from God. And so he was faithful to that and baptized others. Uh, I'm really glad you asked, though, about the Eucharistic Congress that's coming up in July. Of course, Relevant Radio here is a is a great uh, supporter and and um, sponsor of the Eucharistic Congress. Uh, what I would recommend, Norma, if you go to eucharisticcongress.org, what you will find is a lot of resources uh, about what this this event is about, and I can give you a brief overview. I mean, the idea of a Eucharistic Congress is that it's an opportunity for renewal and formation in our lives as Catholics and as Christians. So there will be talks given by famous speakers, there were, and sometimes not so famous speakers, but very good speakers. There will be um, sessions on, you know, um, understanding the Eucharist better and understanding what is, what is it that we believe about the Eucharist. But I think most importantly, there will be opportunities to adore Jesus in the Eucharist together with uh, hundreds of thousands of people from around the country. And I think that part is oftentimes the most moving about Eucharistic Congresses. The talks are great, the expos are great, and the opportunity to see the vibrancy of the faith is great. But it's the the worship that we give to God as, as a church coming together um, not only, of course, are we glorifying God, but it's it's inspiring for our own faith because it, it encourages us and reminds us of of how our faith is shared by so many. So, 
Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, Norma, so I don't have I don't feel comfortable telling you what the best days to go would be. Um, but I, if you go to eucharisticcongress.org, uh, there is an event schedule right there, and that will give you kind of the main events um, that you'll want to be involved in. I, I should say, almost certainly Sunday uh, of the Eucharistic Congress will be the big the big highlight because that will be the day when the principal mass is celebrated and 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 all of that. But the whole the whole experience will be great. Okay. 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 Thank you. Yeah. God bless you. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. God bless um, you. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, let us go to uh, Joshua, who's calling from Albuquerque. Hello, Joshua. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Hi, Father Matthew. Um, <clears throat> I was wondering if I could ask about uh, concerning that uh, how you tell yourself I'm not a I'm not a uh, smoker. I don't I don't cuss. Mm. That topic that you were talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. and then compare that to like. When you say, like, when I say, somebody asks me how I'm doing, and I say, not bad for a sinner, mm. um, I'm saying that I'm a sinner. Uh, so does that make me a sinner? Or, like, that like, seems like the opposite. I'm, call, I'm, I'm saying that I'm a sinner. So. Oh, I, see, I like, see what you're saying, yeah. Let me, give, let me give the other listeners here some context. So Josh was okay. uh, referring to a conversation we had a little while ago here on the program, we were talking about vices and talking about getting rid of bad habits like cursing or smoking. And I was sharing this, this insight that I know many people have experienced that if you connect your habit to your identity, it's much harder to, to get rid of. So if you just see yourself as a smoker, well, then, of course, you're going to smoke and it's hard to change that habit. But if you start to recognize that that doesn't define you and that, in fact, you don't have to be a smoker, in fact, you can say, I no longer smoke, I no longer drink, or I don't drink, <laughs> right? And you can identify yourself as a person that, that, uh, for whom that is just not an option, then it sometimes can make the process easier. But I do think it's different, Joshua, when we acknowledge ourselves as a sinner. We're not, we're not affirming ourselves in our sin. We are simply being honest about the fundamental nature and fallen human nature that we experience. So um, when we go to Mass, for example, at the beginning of every Mass, we uh, acknowledge our sins, right? And we say the Confidior together, for example, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. We acknowledge that we are sinners and we are in need of God's mercy. Uh, but it's not, we acknowledge that not to remain in our sin, but instead to realize that the only way out of this predicament is through the mercy and grace of God. And so we say, not too bad for a sinner, like, like you might respond to somebody, which is not an affirmation of our sinfulness, but rather the, the humility and awareness that we need God's grace in our life. So I think they're kind of two separate things, Joshua, because I think it's I think it's healthy and good for us to acknowledge that we are sinners. If we say that we are not that we are not sinners, then we are a liar. We read in scripture, right? So we definitely don't want to imagine that somehow we're perfect. Uh, no, we need God's grace, and we need to um, always trust in His mercy. Okay. So how do you look at that? <clears throat> Sorry, how do you look at that? Like when the minute the second you walk out of the confessional. If you're in a state of grace, are you still a sinner then, but you're just not sinning? 
yeah, I would say I would say that's a that's a fair way to look at it, right? Um, we um, we come out of the confessional and we are washed completely clean, and we can revel in that for a short time, right? I mean, we can we can give thanks to God that He is so good to us that He has forgiven us all of our sins. And that for a short time there, we will be able to live in the freedom of the Spirit. Uh, it doesn't change the, the, the fallen human nature that we have because that won't be changed until you know, we are seeing God face to face and are freed completely from that. But, um, but I think it's okay to come out of the, the confessional and recognize that, well, I'm still... I'm still, I haven't yet attained the goal, and that's why I need to keep being vigilant here. doesn't mean we should be scrupulous. It doesn't mean that we should um, come out of the confessional and imagine we need to dive right back in because I, my thoughts went astray right there when I came out. No, it means that we need to um, be humble and recognize we are in need of God's grace. Okay, thank okay. you. All right. My pleasure. God bless, Joshua. All the best to you. Uh, let us go to... Um, James, who's calling from, is it Minnesota? Hi, James. Welcome to the Patrick Madrid Show. Good morning, Father. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, good to have you. So, I was wondering if you could give me some spiritual advice, because um, my girlfriend broke up with me last night, Mm -hmm. and it's just, uh, I just feel really empty, and I just want to know how to fill that void. Hmm. Yeah, how long had you been together? We were together six months. I mean, it's not very long, but there was just a lot of it's growth. Enough, yeah. She was an amazing Catholic. Yeah, yeah, it's um, not necessarily the amount of time together. It's um, how how intense that period was, right? Um well, I'm sorry, James, and I'm, I'm sorry that you're experiencing this suffering because it is a very difficult experience. Um, I think what we do when we experience um, that, um, that pain of having lost somebody, either, either in this case through, um, through a breakup, um, which is not, not too different from the pain we experience from losing somebody from a, a tragic situation or through death, there's this grief and emptiness that you describe, James, that, that we feel. Um, I think it's important to recognize, first of all, that you do have those feelings and that that's okay that you are feeling that way. I mean, that's actually a healthy awareness of, of having lost something. And we don't want to pretend or try and um, create this artificial um, escape from that, right? Um, which comes brings me to my next step is um, don't don't turn to things that won't actually satisfy you right um, which I don't even hear in your voice right now which is good um, but sometimes we can be tempted when we experience grief and loss we can be tempted to find an escape in something that that takes the edge off you know for some people it's alcohol for other people's it's other pursuits of relationships um, it's sometimes just um, uh, being by ourselves and ho- uh, holding ourselves up in loneliness and and not living kind of um, good, healthy, productive moments throughout the day. So I think you have to decide, James, to say, okay, I need to, in order for my own health, I need to also take care of myself. 
I need to make sure I'm eating okay. I need to make sure that I'm going on walks. I need to make sure that I'm not um, cutting myself off from other people, which can be very hard, right? Because that's not natural in times of grief. In times of grief, we're not hungry. In times of grief, we'd rather remain in bed. In times of grief, we'd rather kind of be disconnected from others. Um, but it's important to not allow those those inclinations to um, to lead you to bad habits and bad behaviors, okay? Uh, the next thing I think that is really important, James, is to find solace and consolation in the Lord. Um, I'm glad to know that your girlfriend was a good Catholic because that helps to know that this was not necessarily um, some uh, rash decision. Now, I'm not saying Catholics make better decisions on the whole than others, but if the decision came out of a place of, of true love, even if it's different from what you experienced and what you desired from the relationship, then I think God can bring great good out of that. So even if you maybe weren't ready for it, or maybe she wasn't ready for it, or maybe the circumstances made it difficult to process, um, I think what we do is we say, okay, what is God trying to teach me and, and lead me to in this? And almost always, James, it includes greater trust in him. It includes greater surrender to him. It includes looking at our whole vocation and saying, okay, what am I being called to do with my time and my life right now? So I'll have to leave it there, James. God bless you. We'll pray for you. Be right back.